the Sunday Sermons Podcast. The longer we go through the whole COVID experience, the more I can never again take for granted what a privilege it is not only to be able to do stuff through the internet and have the technology and the ability to reach out and let people do church at home and other places, but man, we can never take for granted how important it is and how much better it is to meet in person. I'm so thankful for that. Today is the fifth day in a series uh, called Definition, where we're walking back through the mission statement of our church. And we're not doing that because we're just so proud of how we put it together and just how we worded it. There are a lot of churches, a lot of wonderful churches who have a very similar mission statement and have worded it just as well, maybe better than we have. The reason that we like what they do and the reason we love what we do is simply this. It's based on what Jesus commanded. It's based on what every true church needs to be about. It's based on the example of the early church. And so we've been walking back through that. Today we're up to the word equipped. Equipped is an adjective. It describes the kind of followers, the kind of Jesus followers that we are trying to help people become. And when we say equipped, we want you to know exactly what we mean. We did not mean stocked up. We do not we're not here to just throw out a bunch of stuff and you just have all this information and some emotion or whatever else that you might want to get from somebody speaking or singing. We are equipping you to do the things that God has designed you to do. If you are fully equipped, you are fully prepared. That means you are ready to do something specific. You are empowered You are given the ability, given the power to do something specific. You are armed. You are given the weapons that God has given all of his people. You have exactly what you need to fight the good fight. And it also means that you are supported. We we equip you by giving you a community, by giving you a family, by giving you the rest of the body of Christ to support you. And we do what God is equipping us to do together. I'd like you to say something out loud with me. This is a statement. This is where it has to start. When we equip people, the most important thing we've got to remember is we are connecting them with God himself. All the power, all the purpose, the whole thing comes from God. So let's say this. We help people connect with God. We're going to say that one more time, but I want you to really think about what you're saying. Do not take it for granted. We That's you and me. We have the ability and the responsibility to connect people with God, with the creator of the universe, the father of salvation, the God and father of Jesus Christ who raised him from the dead. We have access to the Holy Spirit of God himself who comes to live inside of us. We get to, we have to help people connect with him we must never take that for granted let's say it together we help people connect with God see without God we have nothing to offer them at all Ephesians 2 1 through 10 is a wonderful passage I hope you go back and meditate on the whole thing we're just looking at a few selected verses today but it starts out Paul is talking about how without God before God did what he did to equip us we were all dead in sin we were slaves to sin 
Without God, we have nothing. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I hope you see in there the centrality of God, the centrality of, of that's where the power comes from, that's where the purpose, our ability to equip each other comes from, but also that's what we're expected to do. We're, we are being equipped. He is preparing us to do good works. Uh, Hebrews 13, verses 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, listen to this huge elaborate title he talks about who God is. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. It's a mouthful, isn't it? And that's only just part of who God is. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Well, once again, we do all these things that we do. We try to equip each other because we're trying to follow the Great Commission. We're trying to follow the, the, the example of the early church. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 47 is another whole passage. Every single verse in that matters. I'm kind of skipping one today. I don't want to be open about that. I'm skipping the one about miraculous signs. Not because that doesn't matter. We're going to come back to that one. We're going to come back on a whole nother day. But because that's it's a whole nother world of stuff. And we're talking about how to equip each other today. So I'm just kind of skipping that verse. Not because it doesn't belong there. It does. Are you with me? Okay, so moving right along. Here we go. Acts 2.42. We looked at this last week. We're looking at it again today. Because the reason that we're devoted to these things is because they change us and also because they equip us. They prepare us to do all of these things we do. So one more time. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Once again, the apostles' teaching was what the apostles were teaching, which was walking people through the Old Testament. That's all they had at the time. But as they went, they were writing what we now call the New Testament. Mostly what they were talking about was Jesus, everything he said and everything he did, and how that interprets and reimagines everything in the Old Testament now that we had the full picture, and then applying that to life. The apostles' teaching is what we're doing right now. Now we have written down in the New Testament the things that they were saying. We still have the Old Testament. We still have Jesus. We still have the Holy Spirit. So this is what we're doing here. Not because it's tradition. Not because it's fun. Not because some of you at least, I hope, like to hear me talk. It's not because of that. It's because this is what we are devoted to. And because this is equipping us to do what needs to happen inside and outside of these walls. The apostles' teaching is huge. Also, fellowship and breaking of bread. And those two are tied together. They all have to do with gathering. They have to do with getting together. They have to do with eating and sharing meals and providing for each other and connecting with each other, doing life together. 
especially the breaking of bread, that phrase refers to communion and remembering together what Jesus did and is doing and that he's coming back. We remember all of those things together. That is why we do this every Sunday. It's not because it's a tradition. It's not because we just really like walking forward and picking up little snack crackers and, and pieces of little cups of juice. It's because this is what we are devoted to. It transforms us and it equips us. Prayer. Again, it's not just because we like to pray. It's because this connects us with God himself. This connects us with God's power. This connects us with the ability to equip other people the way he's called us to do. So that is why every Sunday, we didn't, there's no point where we just sat around and we say, hey, let's start a church. You know what, here, I like the way the Baptists do this. I like the way Catholics do this. I like the way Presbyterians do this. Church of God do this. Really don't like the way this church does this and this. Let's do it this way. That's not where this comes from. Whatever we get right, whatever we get wrong, what we're trying for, what we're aiming at, the bullseye of our target is what did Jesus say? What did the early church do? And what would that look like in 2021 America? That's what we're trying to do here. And that goes for prayer, singing, worship, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, Scripture, and also giving. We see this so clearly in their example. Not just their teaching, but man, look at the next couple verses here in Acts chapter 2. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Uh, favor of all the people, we're going to come back to that in a second. Because Jesus himself said that we could expect to be rejected because people rejected him. But there was something really cool going on here. We're going to come back to that in a second. But first, I just want to make sure you understand, this was not just their example. We don't give just to keep the lights on. We don't give just to make sure some of our staff have salaries or whatever else. We give because this is what they do. And our giving is not just for us. It is to empower other people to connect with God. It is to bless the word. And this was not just example, this was taught. Listen to some of the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians. Since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. As he continues, he quotes Psalm 112, and that's another passage I hope you could go back and just meditate on the whole thing. We only have about half an hour or less to do this every Sunday morning, but man, that is an awesome passage. It's a song by the sons of Korah that celebrates what it looks like when God's people live out his righteousness. How we bless the community, how the place where God's people lives looks different when we get things right. And that is, what, that is what Paul is quoting in the middle of this next passage. He says, and God is able to bless you abundantly. 
listen, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, this is him quoting Psalm 112, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You're seeing this theme of equipping happening here? The blessings that we have, whether it be money or somewhere to live or clothes to wear or cars to drive or whatever else, the relationships, the opportunities, the gifts and the abilities and skills that God lets us have, all of these things are given to us. They're, they're, they're a gift and they're also a sacred responsibility. They're given to us so that we can pass them on. We are equipped so we can equip others. We are blessed so we can bless others. This is always God's dream. And so giving for us, just like the early church, is not just something, it's just not part of a routine we go through. It's an act of worship. It's an act of trust. It's one of the primary ways that we help people connect with God. You tracking so far? Praise God. Here's the next thing that we do. Again, it's all dependent on God. It all depends on God. We have nothing to offer unless God had started the whole thing and equipped us. But now here's the, the rest of what we're talking about this morning is exactly what he expects from us. First thing, let's say this out loud together. We equip each other to serve. We don't just kind of say, hey, good job doing nothing. We empower each other, we encourage each other, we equip each other to get his will done on this earth. There are some things that only God can do, and he does those things. There are some things he calls his people to do, and he doesn't do them because he called his people to do them. And if we don't do them, they don't get done. And then there's also, honestly, then there's also the response of the people that we reach out to. Just like God puts responsibility on us, there's also responsibility for the people we reach out to to respond. One of my favorite characters in history is George Washington Carver. Talking about an amazing story. Uh, this man was born into slavery and within a week of his life, I don't know if you knew this part of it or not, within, but when he was about a week old, his family was kidnapped Nobody really knows for sure what happened to his parents, but he and his older brother ended up coming back into the home that they were originally owned in. Not too long after that, thank God, the Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil War, and all that happened, so they were freed. And the family that had been his owners decided to basically adopt them as their children. This is a really cool choice that they, said, they made because they said, hey, you know what? These guys are free men now. We've got to equip them to live free. That's a really cool thing. Really cool thing that they did. But here's the thing. Listen, what's really amazing about his life is what he did with that. See, they educated him, but he chose to become a lifelong student, a lifelong educator, 
a lifelong inventor and creator and innovator. He chose to spend the rest of his life and all of his amazing gifts and talents and abilities blessing other people and equipping other people. And his legacy is amazing, not just because his former owners re repented and started treating him as a child and thought well enough, thought, thought it through well enough that they could actually empower him and his brother to live as free men, but because he took that and ran with that. And he used everything God had gifted him with to do amazing things. This is always the dream. This is how this works. God equips us, we equip others, and the sky's the limit when the others that we reach out to have that responsibility. Proverbs 11, verses 10 to 11 says, When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. But by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Like most scriptures, this has several layers of truth in it. One is the, just the obvious. People like to cheer for the good guys, and they like to cheer for when the bad guys get what's coming to them, right? Okay, that, that, that's true, and it says that. And, and also, when, when good people say good things and encourage people, that, people take that seriously, and they're blessed by that. And, and when bad people say terrible things, it hurts, it says that, that's the obvious, but there's so, something so much more going on here. I hope you noticed this this morning. This is that favor of God and man that we're talking about, how we equip each other. When the righteous prosper, when we do what we're supposed to do and God blesses us and equips us, the city rejoices. Not because they're like, wow, look how rich those people are. Wow, look what nice clothes they wear and what cool cars they drive. Because we are, if we are living in righteousness, the city benefits from that. Do you hear me? We do righteousness. We are a blessing to our community when we get it right. And they rejoice. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Our communities change when we get it right. And even if they don't like us and they don't like Jesus and they don't believe what we believe, they go, well, you got to say, though, that thing is a good thing. That's helped us. And that thing is a good thing. That's helped us. This community is better because of them because of this and this. You got to give them that. Are you with me? Amen. And that is the dream. We are here to equip each other and to equip the community around us. And they are blessed when we get that right. There's an old saying, if, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Have you ever heard that one? And what, that normally, what that normally means is, hey, hey, pay attention. There's more going on than just what you think and what you like right? You know, a hammer works great on nails, but not so much on screws or trying to cut something. And it's kind of a thing. Don't be myopic. Don't be just focused on you. But this morning, I'd like to turn that around and, and, and tell you this. Please listen to this. I, I, next time you see a hammer, I want this to pop back in your head. I'm trying to insert something into your life. If you have a hammer, somewhere in the world, there's a nail with your name on it. Whatever gift that you have, there's a reason that you've been given that gift. You have been equipped to do something. 
And one of the mistakes that we make sometimes as Christians is we get excited about the two or three things that we love the most about God or about church or about fellowship or whatever, and we try to make that the answer to everything. And we say to people who don't even like music and don't like to worship, very, don't, don't like to sing out loud, and we go, oh, you've got to come to our church. We've got great music. I don't care. Are you with me? And we do, we do stuff like that. I, I, I love our music. That was just one example. It was just random. But that's the kind of thing. Be careful. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like you know. But listen, if you're a musician, thank God we have so many here. It's thank God they use it to equip us to worship. They're not performing. They are helping you worship. Do you know what I mean? They are making it possible for you to worship God. If you have other gifts and talents, there's a reason you have those. There's a reason that you can do the things you can do, that you have the resources that you have. If you've got a hammer, look for the nail that God has put your name on. And look for somebody else walking around with a hammer and looking confused because you're there to also equip them to use their hammer. You with me? Praise God. 2 Timothy 2, 14 and 15. Paul says, keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and it only ruins those who listen. Listen, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So much depth in that, but here's the bottom line. That kind of a worker is a worker who does their job. They use the tools they've been given and equipped with, and they get their job done. And they train other people who have those same gifts to get their job done. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. If one of your gifts is speaking, one of your gifts is teaching, one of your gifts is leading, then absolutely that really especially applies to you. But listen, the word is for all of us. That is in every single one of our toolbox. That is why throughout this whole series, and not just in this series, but all the time, you're going to hear this every Sunday, I'm telling you, you have to dig into God's word yourself. As an individual, if you want to hear the voice of God, you want to know what you're on this planet to do, you've got to dig into it yourself. And you've got to connect in some smaller groups. You need other people speaking into your life who can not just proclaim truth from the front of the room like I'm doing right now, which is also important, we're getting to that, but you need somebody who knows you, who's doing life with you, who's praying for specific things, who's encouraging you and rebuking you and correcting you about some specific things. This is why we offer so many, this is why we have children's ministry, youth ministry, young adult ministry, so many different classes, life groups, online, in person. This is why we do this. It's not because it's fun. It's, it is, but that's not it. It's not because other churches do it, so I guess we better. It's because we're here to equip you to do this. And this is what God has called us to do. That's why I'm so passionate, why every pastor ever that is actually doing their job is passionate about equipping you, using this little bit of time I have to speak to you every Sunday to actually give you what you need. 
to equip you to get the work done. You've got to. You've got to commit this. Devote to this because it is to equip us to get his will done. And not only us, each other, depend on this, but the community around us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And finally, this is Ephesians 6. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. This is some powerful equipment that we're given. And this also, like the word of God, is for every single one of us. There's some individual spiritual gifts that the spirit chooses who gets which ones of those. We all have different personalities and skill sets and natural talents that God gave us and things we chose to learn or were taught by someone. But these are for all of us, okay? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. But after you have done everything to stand. Now listen. There's some responsibility in here, just like always. God has equipped every one of us with this stuff, but you have to put it on. Do you see that? Every one of us has a shield of faith and a sword of the Spirit, but you've got to take it up. I'm sure you've heard lots of lessons, but one more time, just remember how practical these things are that we've all been equipped with. We are supported by and surrounded by actual truth. Real facts. The, the truth of the gospel is actual truth. It's not just ideas that we all like and choose to keep telling each other. It's the real, true truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. It's kind of like the Superman logo on our chest. And people know who's coming because we, they see that. And if, we're, if we don't have righteousness, they see us coming. But it tells a completely different story about Jesus that we don't want to be telling we wear shoes. I love that that's the third thing on the list. Look at this awesome armor. The first, third thing is shoes. Why? Have you ever tried to go barefoot carrying a bunch of heavy stuff? Not too fun. That's why we got the shoes of readiness from peace. And we've got the shield of faith. And we've got the sword of the spirit. But again, we've got to take that up. And finally... Finally, this is the, the thing that we're called to do together. We are to support each other. Let's say this out loud. We support each other. One more time. Say it like you mean it. This is our job. This is our responsibility and our privilege. We support each other. Again, the, the word of God is for every single one of you. I'm sure this part of 2 Timothy 3 sounds really familiar. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You hear that same wording, that same equipping? It, it just, it, this, is, this is not me making this up. This is so central to the scriptures. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You can't get away from this. You can't get away from this. We are not just provided with stuff, blessed with stuff. We are equipped with all the blessings that God gives us. 
But I also love how clear the verses right before that one, those are the really familiar ones, but right before that, verses 14 and 15, listen to this. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know that the, you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, Timothy didn't just have Paul that he met when he was a young adult. His mom and his grandmother had taught him from infancy. He could use the word of God to correct and rebuke and train and be wise because he knew the word of God. If you're a parent with young children, that is why we have children's ministry. Your kids don't need one more fun thing to do this week. They need to be trained in the scriptures. They need to figure out and experience as children and all the way through their life what it looks like to do that in a group. They need to be discipled. They need to learn and practice how to disciple each other. They need to know those Bible stories so well. There's no way they'll ever forget them the rest of their life. If you're a parent and you have younger teenagers, older teenagers, young adult children, that's why we have youth ministry. That's why we have young adults ministry, because they need help. They are being empowered in middle school to be great Christians in high school and empowered in high school to be great Christians in college. Are you, are you following me? We are equipping them. We're not just showing up. We're not just doing this because, well, you know, most churches have a youth ministry. We are equipping them. And you've got a responsibility to do that at home, but we also need you to take it seriously to do that. And, and all the small groups, we keep trying to plug the connection groups and encourage you to be part of those. And so many of you are, and praise God. But all of us need to be. All of us need to be. Because we are equipping each other to get his work done. And when you do that, listen to me, this is so important. This is where we're wrapping up today. I need you to hear what I'm saying in this last story. When we do that, it comes naturally to support each other in the hard times. It comes naturally when we correct and we rebuke each other. It feels okay. We take it and it helps instead of feeling like people are picking on us because there's a relationship there. One of the most moving sports stories ever, you probably heard about it, was in 1992, the Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redmond was at the top of his game in the 400 meters, almost every event that had to do with the 400 meters. But in one of the final, most important runs, he pulled a hamstring right in the middle of the race. And he knew that this was not only the end of this race, but the end of his, his athletic career as a runner. He crumples down. This has been, if you've never seen this, it's on YouTube, it's everywhere. It's been used as, as um, uh, commercials. <laughs> There's no word. Commercials for Visa and Nike and several other. This, this is an amazing story. But what happens is he, he, he decides in that moment, I'm going to finish this race anyway. And he gets up and starts dragging his bad leg and trying to finish the race. And out of nowhere comes his dad. Dang it. Out of nowhere comes his dad and helps him do it. 
And as a dad, as a leader, as somebody who, who spends a lot of time and really cares about supporting other people, I love that. But I want to tell you something super important about this that sometimes people miss. Who cares if he finished that lap? You know what really mattered? His dad had equipped him to become that kind of a man. He was the kind of person who finished what he started. That wasn't an idea that just happened in, out of nowhere. That's who he was. And his dad was there to support him when he couldn't do it on his own. And after that happened, when his career was over and everything was done, that was the end of that part of his life, but his dad was still part of it. He kept encouraging him. And years later, 25 years later, Derek Redmond is still a very influential person in the United Kingdom. He's a successful motivational speaker among many other things. Why? Because the two of them together are still doing life together. He didn't just finish the lap on a track. This was a relationship. This was a lifestyle of equipping the person he was raising and getting him ready to face whatever life threw at him. That moment in time is so inspirational to me. But God doesn't really care if you finish a circle on a track. He cares about you being a certain kind of person and about using the stuff he's equipped you with. That's why we do what we do. That's why we pray. That's why we give. That's why we fellowship. That's why we study and serve and empower others. It's equipping us to do what God has put us here to do. This morning, I'd like you to pray this prayer. Lord, I will do this. Make it as personal as you can. Write it down if you have to. Do what you, whatever you need to do. Lord, I will help this person connect with God. I'm going to choose this connection group and I'm going to be part of that. I'm going to help with the children's ministry or the youth ministry or the young adult ministry or some other ministry. I'm going to use this gift that I've been given. This is my hammer. Show me that nail. I, I, Lord, I will do that. Somehow or another, I'm going to support this one person I know really needs that support right now. Pray that prayer with me. Lord, I will do that. Let's pray it together as we stand and sing.